At Cool Air Products, we developed AC Smart Seal Quick Shot with professionals in mind. It's the only product on the market that's three in one, with sealant, lubricant, and UV dye all in a single application. It's non toxic, non flammable, 100% safe to the touch, eco friendly, and compatible with all refrigerants. It's a safe solution option, backed by years of R&D, Intertech tested, and has sealed millions of leaks. AC Smart Seal, the professional's choice. Welcome back, guys. HVAC Know-It-All podcast. We have an awesome podcast lined up again. We have an awesome guest lined up again. Our guest today is a man by the name of Michael Flynn. He's a tech out of the New Jersey area. All right, he does a lot of installs, a lot of heating installs, furnaces, boilers, um, tankless water heaters, stuff along those lines. We're gonna get into some talk regarding some heating, what Michael's up to, how he got into the trade, his background, so on and so forth. Just a real tech to tech discussion, the way we like it on the HVAC Know It All podcast. If you guys wanna hit up Mike on Instagram. He goes by the handle of at Flintstone1. That's F L Y N N S T O N E 1. At Flintstone1 on Instagram. You guys check him out. Mike's coming up. Listen up, guys. It's the HVAC Know It All podcast. I'm your host, Gary McCready. All right. So I was working on a couple of boilers this week. Lock and var boilers. Actually, yesterday, this week. I'm getting all confused. Well, well, I guess it is this week, but it was yesterday. All right. Lock and var boilers. And I had a coworker that had a. He's very good at the one liners and very good for making names up for stuff. And he calls them, he calls lock in vars lock out vars. <laughs> Not my opinion. All right. I don't think it was his opinion either. He uh, just had a frustration at one point with a few different boilers. And that's the name he came up with. Kind of funny, but guys, not my opinion. Like I said, these boilers have been running actually really, really good for a while. uh, Five or six years now. And I had my Testo 320 out and I was using it to analyze the combustion. But what I also did was I uh, took a draft measurement. Now, with, with the 320, you can take the stacked draft pressure. So we all know secondary air, guys. We have that secondary air um, hood, all right, that draws in the air, and it goes up the stack. <clears throat> now, a lot of guys take their lighter, and they use their lighter underneath that air hood. And if the lighter blows out, they're like, uh-oh. If their lighter, if the flame gets sucked in, they're like, it's all good. But that's not really the best way to check. All right, these boilers had um, they had secondary air intakes off a barometric damper. It wasn't like the big the big air hood that you see above the boiler. It was a secondary air uh, barometric damper attached to the stack. So we checked for negative. Yep, negative in the stack. Cool. The other awesome feature of the 320 is when you're done checking the boiler or even when you enter the boiler room itself, you can put it on free air CO and you can walk around and wave that wand around and check to make sure that the CO in the room is good. You don't have any really, really a 
another cool feature of that of that analyzer. So if you guys are in the market, guys, the Testo analyzers, they're, they're top of the line, top of the class. Uh, check them out. Testo.com. So something I was thinking about the other day and how important it is for text to carry. And you don't know how important it is until you actually start carrying them and using them yourself. And that's a solenoid magnet. Yellow Jacket makes solenoid magnets. And I have YouTube videos on them and how to use them. They're great for recovery, evacuation, um, troubleshooting. All right. You want to troubleshoot a coil for a valve that's acting up. You can test that valve to make sure it's actually opening and closing with that magnet. All right. When you're recovering refrigerant, you can stick that magnet on that valve to open the system up wide so you don't have uh, refrigerant getting caught in between like the, the solenoid valve, like the liquid line solenoid valve and like a headmaster control type thing. Because that's happened in the past. All right. So use that magnet. It's got many, many, um, many, many functions. And every tech, in my opinion, should have two of them in their bag because when it comes to troubleshooting, guys, they're gold. Trust me. I used one to troubleshoot a digital scroll a couple months ago. And without that tool, I would have been dead in the water. I really would have. It would have been pure guessing games to figure out that my solenoid was causing an issue. Um, I did post a, uh, I put out a post on Facebook and Instagram and it was an older uh, leak that I had found, but it came back up because we got approval to fix this leak. Very, very, very small leak, by the way. And a coworker of mine went and did it. All right. And he's like, he re-leak tested the thing. And I'm like, man, just fix the leak, whatever. But that's, that's his prerogative. He wanted to actually know in his head that the leak existed. Couldn't find it. Okay. So I sent him the picture over of, of what I took with a little arrow drawn to where the leak was. Now I use big blue soap bubbles. I don't know what he was using. All right. Um, and the, the trick is when you're using big blue, you got to wait 10 to 15 minutes after you spray it down. All right. I actually like to spray it all down, rub it all in with my fingers, wait a couple minutes and then give it another spray. Wait the 10, 15 minutes for that soap to penetrate the crack or wherever it's leaking from to get really in there and to start generating those bubbles. Now, these bubbles that were generated from this leak were so tiny that basically it just revealed like a, a little um, vertical line of foam. It looked like foam. But if you watch closely, you could see underneath that foam was pushing up, pushing up, pushing up. You got to watch very, very closely. And that foam pushing up was bubbles generating underneath it. So big blue, 10, 15 minutes after you spray the leak, don't walk away after a couple of minutes and go, ah, it's not leaking. Okay. You'd be surprised at just having a little bit of patience, what that will do for you. So guys, like I said, on the last podcast, the Armstrong pump contest to receive your $20 gift card, that is still on to December 30th. All right. So if you guys want that $20 Amazon gift card, just register the pump up. Once it's verified as unique, you'll receive your gift card. And to do that, you go to armstrongfluidtechnology.com forward slash HVAC know it all. You heard my little uh, ad off the top. 
Now, Cooler Products has a another product that kind of rivals um, AC Renew. If you guys have heard of AC Renew, it's a product that you put into a system that tries to bring the system back to life. It's a lubricant. So AC Smart Shot, all right, is their version. Now, I've had luck with AC Smart Seal and AC Smart Seal External. So those are quality products, all right? So I wouldn't think anything less of AC Smart Shot. Basically, what it is, is you put it in the system, and I have to test this still, all right? You put it in the system, it lubricates um, everything in the compressor, maybe like reversing valves, TX valves, lubricates internally, and it also breaks down the deposits that are building along the condenser and evaporator coils on the inside. The oil deposits, they build up, and they actually build a filter to heat absorption. So basically, when you put the stuff in, it breaks down that oil, brings it back to its regular state. So you have that true heat absorption that you did when the unit was first um, put into commission. Now, that makes it more efficient. That brings the efficiency back to day one. All right, I got to test it, but it's called AC Smart Shot. Um, if you guys want to check it out, go to coolairproducts.net to do that. Field Pulse, guys, as always, forever and always, you guys, if you guys want to get off the paper trail, you guys want to go mobile and make things a lot more organized in your office and for your techs, check out Field Pulse. It's a 14-day free trial at fieldpulse.com forward slash HVAC know-it-all. Um, the other thing, um, and, and I mentioned this in the last couple of podcasts, they have a new um, free invoicing and estimating app called Simply Send. It's totally free. You don't have to upgrade. You can use it for as long as you want and don't have to pay nothing. All right. So just keep that in mind. Simply Send. True Tech Tools, um, 8% off your tool purchases at True Tech Tools. You want to save on Testo at True Tech? It's very, very simple. There's a preferred pricing sign up sheet. You go to hvacknowitall.com, click on the True Tech Tools logo. Once you do, sign into your account and you'll be uh, given preferred Testo pricing. What's up, guys? Uh, we got Mike on the phone, and Mike is here to talk about some heating stuff with us. And you probably know, if you guys are on Instagram, you'll probably know Mike. Um, his handle on Instagram is at Flintstone1. Um, FL, not Flintstone like the cartoon, <laughs> right, Mike? <laughs> Flintstone, F L Y N N S T O N E 1. So at, at Flintstone. And um, the reason I contacted uh, Mike is because he's got some really badass install pictures on his profile. Like they're outstanding. So, um, Mike, thanks for getting onto the podcast. I know I kind of reached out to you a couple of days ago and, and kind of forced you to be on this week. So I really appreciate you uh, joining us tonight, man. How you doing? Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. Um, just got home from work doing a steam boiler install. So ready to rock and roll. Awesome. So we are in heating season for most, I would say most of North America. I mean, I know some states are a little bit warm still like i know like arizona and florida and that we're we're still kind of mild but um we got some northern states and we got all of canada here that's in heating season so um how you feel about talking some heating tonight man 
I love it. I'll talk it all day long. Super passionate about it. <laughs> awesome. That's what we want, man. We want passion, and we want uh, we want you to add some some uh, some stuff to the podcast, which I know you're going to. That's why I asked you on. So, let's maybe start off with a little bit of kind of your background, how long you've been in the industry, and and what you're kind of up to. Okay, so I've been in the trade for like ten and a half, eleven years, going on. Um, I started in the trade when actually I was out of college. So I do have a bachelor's in criminal justice. Um, that time that I graduated, there was really no state jobs, um, that were offered because no one was hiring. So I actually hooked up with a, um, heating and air conditioning, like mom and pop shop. Um, started off as a helper and a driver and, um, maybe a year after that, um, he just threw me into a truck and said, get on the road and make me some money. How did that go? So, um, (laughs) in in the, in the beginning, it was in the beginning, I was super nervous when he first told me that I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I don't even know anything. He's like, listen, you can call me and describe to me what you're having an issue with and I will help you over the phone. And the guy that I first worked for was a genius. Like I didn't even have to tell him the name brand or what I was working on. He was like, Oh yeah, you know, that's a, you know, carrier or a Lennox and this is what you have to do to fix it. And literally got the parts out from the truck, put them in and boom, fired right up. Yeah. You know what? It really helps having, uh, that support when you're uh, an apprentice because without it you are I, I mean with it you're tugging your hair but without it you're you're like you're, you're a lost cause because you got nobody to help you and when you started like did you have a I mean 10 years ago so you probably had a cell phone because when I started like I've mentioned before like I had a two-way radio that that's all I had I, I had no access to the internet right and, and if I needed yeah. to talk to somebody it was it was two-way and like it's really hard and it's really difficult to communicate um troubleshooting uh like if i'm in 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 front of a unit trying to troubleshoot it and i'm like yeah hey dave come in and like he gets back to me it's really hard to have a conversation that way especially when you're dealing with a problem so i mean for you did you have a cell phone the internet and all that when when you got into the trade the i think i had um i we were still in the early ages. So I still had like a flip phone. Um, so the, the internet wasn't really available when I first started. Yep. Okay. Um, but the, I mean, nowadays everything at your fingertips, fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's, it's beautiful, man. It, it really like, you don't even have to carry, like I still have papered manuals in my truck and I don't even know why I'm still hanging on to them. It's like nostalgia or something, but <laughs> it's, it's time to get rid of all of it. Like I, any manual can be found on the internet or you call the manufacturer and they can just email it to you. So, I mean, um, but that being said though, it really is kind of crappy sitting on a little um, four inch screen or whatever, trying to read a manual rather than having a big book in front of you. So, I mean, there is a bit of a, a bittersweetness to that, but um, so, Anyway, you started in the trade about 10 and a half years ago. You got into that truck, and then what happened from there? So um, the first part of my career was 
all plumbing and heating, and then I started into air conditioning service. Um, I know everyone's like, you started doing service first, and then you moved to install? Like, it does, that doesn't make sense. That's not how you do it. Um, but that's how the cards were laid out for me. Um, we would do, that company would do maybe five or so, maybe 10 installs a year. So I would, it was mainly service. And my background, like the first thing I learned, he taught me how to do was solder. So my background is mostly plumbing. So that's where I get, and then I moved into the furnaces and the ACs after that. Cool. So, so nowadays you're mainly an installer. Yeah, so I do. I'm a field supervisor um, and the lead installer. So I'm the top installer at the company. Nice. Well, that makes sense because your your installs from from the images look look top notch. Like I've seen some ones that were just like, oh my god, like that that's beautiful. Like, so in order to do, I gotta ask you this because. Do you do you quote the jobs yourself, or does the office quote them and you just go do them? No. So we have um, comfort advisors that go out and sell the job, and then it's my job to go put them in, obviously, and deal with any other like if they didn't mention something, and then I see something, I could either upsell that or let them know, you know, what's going on, and we can adapt to it whatever the case may be. Gotcha. Okay. So the reason I ask you that is because I've seen it where a lot of companies, the salesman will go in, they will quote the job and then the installer will get there and they're being pushed. Hey, you got to be out of there in five, six hours. Like you got to get to the next one. We didn't put enough money on that job. And then the job just gets done um, shoddy. It doesn't look nice. And and the work is subpar. So you, you're obviously like, I got to ask you, I got to ask you this. Are you taking your time and doing everything um, meticulously or are you just that experienced that you can do it quick and good at the same time? Um, I think it's, it definitely has something to do with experience, uh, but I've never taken anything like the office and the boss and the owner and the install manager has never given me a problem about taking my time and doing it correctly. Well, that's because good. I mean, the worst, you know, the worst word in our industry is callbacks. Yes. So yep. for me to, you know, they know that I'm going to take my time and do it right without a callback and they let me go. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and callbacks in the first year usually are warranted. So, they're paying out of pocket at that point anyway. So why not do it right when you're there the first time? Absolutely. Yeah. hundred percent agree. So what kind of stuff are you installing these days? Furnaces, boilers, um, tankless water heaters. Are you into all of that or, or are you, you focusing on certain things? I mean, we're into all of that. Our company is a really big push for hydronics and steam boilers. Um, I'm actually doing a tankless water heater and a water softener, uh, water treatment system tomorrow. So I have my hands in everything. Um, the office knows that I can, they can put me on any single job and I can get it done correctly. Um, which is huge because they have the faith in me to, to send me on anything and get it done. Cool. So 
Um, I've done a little bit of research on water softeners. Um, and can you just tell us, can you go over how, how they work and why we put salt in the, because there's going to be a lot of people that don't know this. And to be honest with you, I have read it and I have researched it, but my, my, my memory is terrible. So if you want to go over um, why we put salt in the water softener um, to basically, we're basically exchanging the salt for a different mineral. Is that, is that what we're doing there? Yeah, so our area is high in grains of hardness. Okay. Um, so and plus there's chlorine and whatever else, you know, all sediment and material in our water. So by adding the salt to the water, it's just the the making the water more soft. So to a touch instead of a hard, and it plus it protects the fixtures from that calcium buildup and it just makes the water nicer to shower in, to wash your hands in, to do your laundry, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I did notice a difference when I got, like I live in a in a newer home and we didn't have a water softener for like, I don't know, four and a half, five years and we got one recently and uh, I noticed a difference right away and I could even notice a difference in the taste of the water. I could actually taste the salt uh, in the beginning, but now I don't taste it anymore. So you, you get used to it after a while. Um, yeah. So on top of water softeners and boilers and that, so steam boilers, do you put these steam boilers in commercial, uh, buildings or in residential homes or, or both? So it's, we do, our company's main, like 99.9% .9 residential. Okay. Um, while I was here, I've done some rooftops, I've done some commercial boiler calls, um, but not installs. Okay. So mainly residential. Okay. So, so a steam boiler, I, I mean, a lot of people know how a, a regular boiler works. I mean, the, boi the, the water goes in, we heat it up and we pump it through the system. So a steam boiler works a little bit differently if you want to explain how the systems you put in work. Okay. So a steam boiler is, you got to imagine what I say to customers is that you're literally putting a pot on the stove and you're boiling the water, but it's contained. So it's like putting a, the top on a, on the pot. And then your piping is going out to your radiators and coming back cooled down through the return and then dumping back into the boiler. Cool. So do you have, do you have single pipe systems or two pipe systems in, in your installs? We encounter very little two pipe systems. It's all one pipe. So the steam is the steam and the water are actually traveling in the same pipe, but yep. in the opposite direction. That's right. Yeah. So the steam is on the top. And then your condensate will be on the bottom, dropping back down in the same radiator valve. Yeah, so you got to make sure you have a slope on that piping to get back yes. to the boiler, right? Um, so yeah, do you have pitch. do you have condensate tanks that the water goes back to, and then pumped into the boiler, just goes directly back to the boiler itself? In, oh no, everything goes directly back to the boiler. Oh, okay, it's gravity fed. Cool, because I I've. Where I, I I do some commercial buildings and we got some steam boilers and some of them that I take care of and and those are one pipe systems and as well and 
on the off cycle, the the, uh, the condensate is coming back, going into um, condensate tanks that are all around the building, and then there's floats in those tanks. And once the float level rises to a certain point, the pumps come on and they pump it back to a main tank, and then that main tank also has pumps that pump it back into the boiler. So um, just because it's so so spread out, right? Um, that that's that's the way I've seen it done, and the other thing that I've seen done with uh, these steam boilers is the rads. Each one has like a um, a steam vent on it, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So that 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 mm-hmm. steam so, vent is there to to get rid of the air, so we can fill it up with steam. Is that is that how that works? Yeah. So when you're the boiler is firing um, off a off cycle, uh, the radiator vents actually open to let air into the system okay then when the boiler is firing the radiator vents open are still open and they let air out of the system while the steam pushes it out gotcha okay yeah and that's when um you see movies and stuff and people rat people's rads are whistling those are those are (laughs) those are steam rads right Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, because if those were water rads and the vent at the top wouldn't be whistling, they'd be pissing out water. <laughs> it's spitting water all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. So what what pressure do you do you usually set your steam boilers up for? So we run residential steam boilers at um, two psi. Okay. Cool. Awesome. Um, the one boiler that I'm thinking of in particularly, um, we run it at like just under one pound and it seems to work okay and the reason we've done that is because this is a really really old building and some of the there, there's there's like a a copper fin or a copper pipe rad you know just a copper pipe with the with the, the fins in it and somebody yes. put that somebody put that rad in that's supposed to be the cast iron rads so if we put the the pressure higher what happens is the water starts spitting out of that rad it's it's really odd but it's it's not the type of rad that's supposed to be used in that application and the other reason we put the pressure up too high because the building's so old the piping's old and the install's probably like 50 60 years old we're getting pockets of water caught sometimes in certain spots where the piping runs mm-hmm. through um floors and stuff like that and you probably know this but i just learned it a couple of years ago when you hear that hammering in a steam system it's because that steam is trying to force its way through pockets of water and that water is being hammered, hammered off the piping. So we had to lower the pressure because of these rads and because of that problem. But lowering the pressure didn't seem to cause any issues because it's a five story building and we're getting hot rads to the top. So, I mean, every application is different, right? Absolutely. I mean, they still have high pressure steam, but, the the lower it is the sa- the safer it is that's right so yeah, running yeah. any system at a lower pressure is it's it's the best yeah exactly because the higher the pressure the more chances are we're going to have something bust open <laughs> you don't want high pressure steam yeah. busting open on someone that's no. sitting beside a rad right so um so some other <laughs> things you, you get into you were saying um before we we started the podcast conversation that uh, you're down in New Jersey and you're saying something about the 80% furnaces. If you want to continue on with that, that, that'd be awesome. Sure. 
Um, so the state of New Jersey is still offering uh, installs at 80%. Um, okay. I know they were working with trying to get all the equipment up to 90%. Um, I don't know the status of that yet, but they still offer it. And j literally just on price point, customers are still going with 80% installs, whether it be a furnace or a hydronic boiler and the steam you can only get in 80%. So, but you, do you have a, um, access to like the, the, the 90% above efficiency furnaces and do you put those in? Yes, we actually do. Um, and it's just a higher price point for them, but it's the, you know, they have to want the high efficiency out and to tell you the truth. A lot of the times they're, we have a lot of problems with um, getting the flues out and the actual clearances to windows and doors and above, above frost level. So if a salesman goes into a house and, says, and offers a 90%, you know, we have to go and figure out how to run these flues to pass code. Yeah, exactly. So what material are you using for the, the flues and the 90% furnaces? So we, PVC is up to code in our area for 90%, anything 90%. Okay. And that, that's the, um, the thicker white PVC here. Uh, is it called 636 down, down where you are? Um, we use schedule 40. Okay. Um, the, the yeah. stuff, the stuff that we use here for 90%, it, it's called 636 and there's a couple of different manufacturers that make it. Um, you used to see these things piped in like ABS, right? Oh. <laughs> and and it, it 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 would be cracking and everything like that. And then then they changed the code. You have to pipe it in, in six. But it is it is the PVC, and you can get it in the the gray mm -hmm. as the gray as well. Um, so what what differences do you see, or like what what do you prefer? Do you do you prefer the eighty percent or the ninety percent better? Like I know it's it's a pain in the ass to vent it but the actual furnace and the way it runs and stuff, which, which one do you prefer? I mean, I do still like a standard 80%. Um, they, they offer single stage and two stage in, in both efficiencies. Mm -hmm. Um, the 80% is, you know, a standard installed, no problem. Um, the, the 90% is a little more work, obviously with the flues and the, you know, the furnace drain and all that kind of stuff. But, it does at the end of the day the pvc um plumbing level and pitch back to the unit versus the just this you know standard steel flue pipe the i think that the pvc looks better yeah yeah it, it does look nice um one of the one of the issues like i don't really do any installs and i don't do um, much residential at all unless it's it's for a customer and they ask us specifically to go to their home but if I do a service call for a friend or family one of the major things I notice about the 90% furnaces and I've seen this multiple times is that you get there you turn it on the vendor motor starts to run and you can hear the the, the blower wheel splashing through water <laughs> in the housing <laughs> of the because because the, the the drain is clogging up and all the condensation coming back down the venting is filling up inside of the uh, 
the uh, the housing. So that that is one of the major things that needs to be checked on a maintenance is that drain to make sure it's free and clear so it's not backing up. Absolutely. I just had that problem the other day. Um, I tried to clear everything, all the drains before, vacuumed everything out, make sure everything was clear. Um, but I still had to remove the inducer motor and dump it out. Got like a cup of water out of it. Um, checked everything, put it all back together, and it works fine, drained properly. So that does happen. Another problem I'll tell you about, which was which was very bizarre. I was at uh, I was at home a couple of years ago. My neighbor comes over, and it was the dead of winter. And he's like, "Yeah, my furnace is not working." And and like, you know, when you get home from work and your neighbor knocks on the, all you want to do is sit down, eat dinner, like, chill out. So. But he's, he had three kids, right? And it's a dead of winter, and his house is like uh, 12 degrees Celsius, which is like, I don't know, like double at 930, and you get in the ballpark, you, you're at like 50 degrees Fahrenheit or something like that, right? So mm-hmm. um, I go over there, and the thing runs, right, for five minutes, and then it shuts off. And then he's like, it's been doing this for like two days. And I'm like, that's weird. So I thought it may, might might have been one of the limits or whatever, right? Um, and I went through it and I checked it and I did this, I did that. And it wasn't the limits. It wasn't cycling on limit. It wasn't even getting hot hot enough to, to go off on limit. Um, and what it was is I found that one of the pressure switches was opening after five minutes of operation. But it, it was fine before that. And I'm like, what? that is weird. So I pull the, I pull the, uh, the tubing off. And I look inside the collector box where the tube was, was connected to, and I could see the tiniest little thing in there. So I took, um, I don't remember what I stuck in. It was like a piece of Silphos or something. I stuck it in, and I pulled it out, and it was a dead baby spider. And what was happening, the only thing I can imagine that was happening, is once that furnace started to heat up, that, ex- that spider was expanding and blocking the flow to the to to the pressure switch (laughs) and as soon as i cleared that out the problem was gone it was totally gone it was it was bizarre and i don't have much experience with with furnaces like residential furnaces so i was over there for like an hour before i figured it out but it it was one of those weird things right it wasn't something that was just okay yeah it's it's a faulty flame sensor faulty ignition board faulty venter motor it was just this weird problem do you what 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 kind of weird problems have you encountered with with these residential ninety uh, percent furnaces in that respect? Um, our main issues are especially with um, people are that we go to and we haven't installed the furnace is that the they use so they use two inch and then you have to transition based on the flue length to three inch pipe okay so what we've encountered is that they put uh just a regular two by three bell reducer on a horizontal so that and it's it's still pitched back to the unit but all that water is getting caught up in the bell reducer and can't drain back so you're going off on uh your pressure switches are going off because there's just water stuck in there and the flu it can't drain back and it can't push it out so the pressure switch goes off and you know no heat (laughs) yeah so you have obviously got to cut that open to find it then 
Yeah, you. I mean, especially if because a lot of townhomes and row homes and all that kind of stuff, um, they usually have ninety percent furnaces in them. Okay. And all the flue piping is in this small mechanical room, and all you see is up to the ceiling. Everything yeah. else is sheetrock. So you really have to do, you know, your due diligence and investigate. If you have to cut up in some sheetrock, you have to cut up and see some sheetrock, but you have to find the problem of where it's going. You know, they had, you know, two inch at the furnace and then three inch going out to the roof. So they had to transition somewhere and you just have to be smart enough to find it, I guess. Do you guys um, have a particular brand that you prefer to install? When it comes to furnaces, so, on furnaces, yeah, we use um, Amana. Okay. Yep. I have an Amana in my house, and that's and, made and by it, Daikin. Oh, is it? I didn't know that. Yes, actually. Is that, is that, a, actually, is that a recent thing? I think. Um, I think because Goodman is the, I think overall manufacturer. Yeah. But I think Daikin might have bought out. Goodman or or picked up or partnered with but yes they're it's it's Goodman, Daikin and Amana. Okay. Are yeah. pretty much the same furnaces. <laughs> I've got a an Amana in my house and I haven't had a problem with it knock on wood. Um that I can think of. I mean, I know I had an uh I had a uh, an Ecobee stat on there at one point and I swapped it out to try a White Rogers recently. And the Ecobee would send me emails, obviously. And I, I got an email once in the middle of the night that the furnace tried to come on. It didn't come on. And the temperature was low in the house. I mean, that's what that, that that's one of the benefits of having a, a smart thermostat. And I just went down to the furnace. It, this is right before I had to go to work. So I'm like, oh, come on, man. Like, really? So I just went down. I turned it off and I turned it back on and it fired up. And I'm like, that's weird. And then I thought, yeah, the wind was howling last night. So the wind must have been coming down the side of the house and pushing back down against the uh, the flue as it was coming out. Maybe the pressure switched opened up and, and it just shut down. I, I don't know what happened. I wasn't there when it did. All I, all I did, all I knew was when I reset it, it turned back on. That's the only problem I can think of in the last six years-ish that I've had with that furnace. So like I said, knock on wood. That's pretty good, yeah. Yeah. So do you, do you find, um, any warranty stuff with the Amana that, that maybe we should be looking for, or do you find it is a pretty overall, uh, decent furnace to put in a home? It's, I mean, they give a lifetime warranty on their heat exchangers. Wow. Um, they give lifetime warranty on their compressors. So I think our lifetime, yeah, I think it's lifetime on the compressors as well. Um, so, I mean, I've, I haven't had to change a heat exchanger or anything like that. Cause I mean, we haven't had really any issues as far as warranty or big parts or something like that. It's just, um, you know, the little stuff that knocks it off and you get a no heat call and then you have to go back to it and see what's going on, but nothing really major that yeah. we've encountered. So do you do you do any sort of uh, water heaters or tankless stuff at all? 
Yep, we put in um, regular standard water heaters. We do power vent. We do uh, tankless water heaters. We do it all. So let me ask you this. I was talking to um, Eric Ani um, from at Mechanical Hub last week on the podcast, and and I was telling him that here, like in Toronto where I am, and, and this is common here, we rent our water heaters from the um, – it's not always from the gas supply company, but sometimes it is like there's a bunch of different companies that do this, but most everybody rents their water heater. So is that a thing in New Jersey or, or is that not a thing? That's not a thing here. <laughs> um, but that's very interesting that you, that you have that. Um, uh, and what do you, they just install it for you and that you just pay them monthly or? Yeah. So, so, so ba- ba- yeah, basically when you buy a house, you move in, the water heater's there. Right. Um, but it's yeah. not, and I don't know why, because the furnace is there. We're not renting the furnace. The furnace is part of the price of the home. <laughs> right. And I don't really understand yeah. it to the, to the fullest extent to even explain it to you. I just know that when you move in, your furnace is there. Um, your water heater's there, but your water heater is a rental. And depending on the efficiency of your water heater, like I got a really efficient water heater. Um, so I was uh, like, I'm paying like $45 a month to, uh, to keep that thing. But if something happens to it, um, they come and fix it for free. If I need a replacement, they come and replace it for free. But in the end, I'm probably going to pay more for that water heater than if I was just to buy it outright. And I was telling Eric that I called when we first moved in because I wanted to put a, a tankless in myself, but I had to buy out the rental, right? I had to buy it out for like a thousand bucks. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not paying a thousand dollars for somebody to come get this thing out of my house. That's just ridiculous. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. So it's still in my house <laughs> six years later. So four, <laughs> four, 45 times 12 times six, whatever that comes out uh, up to is what I've paid for that thing so far. Yeah. But yeah. So, so Eric thought it was, it was a Canadian thing. And now that I'm talking to you and you, you're in New Jersey and you don't, you, you've never heard of this happening anywhere in, in your area or, or in the U S at all. This is the first time I'm hearing it from you. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> Interesting. So we, we also had a chat about how it's a good um, business plan for a company to do that because they're making, they're making a ton of cash off of these people. Right. And it's even, it's even an opportunity to rent an AC or a water softener or a furnace too. You can even rent a furnace. Like say your furnace dies, you can call them up and say, yeah, I'd like a furnace rental. They'll come and install it and you'll pay whatever, like 80 bucks a month, 60 bucks a month, whatever they charge you. So yeah, the company makes tons of money, but the the, the homeowner oh, loses, sure. lo- loses out <laughs> in in the yeah. long run. So as far as the tankless stuff, um, what do you put in? What what's your brand? So we use Navian, the okay. uh, NC NC yeah, uh, what is it? MPE two forty A. So that one has a. Um, I think it's a two gallon buffer tank and it has a internal or external built in recirculation pump. Oh, nice. Okay. So when you say recirculation pump, does that mean when you turn the water on, you have hot water there instantaneously or you're going to have to wait 
a few minutes for it. Well, if you run your an external recirculation line, it will be more instantaneous than if you just use the internal. So the internal will just uh, circulate water inside the unit and inside that buffer tank. Gotcha. Um, so that it's there's still there's hot water in there. It's not just sitting cold and using the flow switch to pr uh, provide the hot water. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So and a lot of people that may not know this in, in commercial buildings they'll use like um, a recirc pump that constantly recirculates hot water. Um, to that tap basically so when you turn it on the, the hot water is there right away so <clears throat> um what was i going to ask you so one of the, some of the misconceptions of an instantaneous or tankless water heater is that if i'm having a shower and then there's a second shower in my home and then my kid or my wife or a relative or whatever they want to have a shower can we keep up with two showers with a tankless water heater we can absolutely do two showers. Yeah. Okay. So what what are the limitations? Yeah, so the, are, go on. Especially, sorry. I mean, this the size of the house definitely determines if you need, you know, a single tankless or uh, two, and the amount of bathrooms. So the Navian can do up to four bathrooms on a single unit okay when you say four so bathrooms the, the two mean, showers could be no okay. problem okay so when, yeah that's what i was going to ask you when you say four bathrooms does that mean four bathrooms in use at the same time i think it would i would say two showers and two taps okay but i i you know we've never had a callback or a go back you know regarding how much hot water the the tankless provides because it is it really is endless yeah and how long are you finding these things because my my fear is i'd put one in and it wouldn't last very long before i had to replace it again so how long are you finding these like the, the lifespan of these things i mean everything has to do with the water quality Yep. And the uh, maintenance, so the descaling. So they they recommend, if you don't, I mean, either way, they recommend two to three years on a descaling. So, you know, using the isolator uh, valves on the bottom of the tankless water heater, um, you shut them off and you run uh, vinegar through the, actual, through the heat exchanger and it, you know, takes out all the chemicals and sediment inside the unit. Um, and then you just turn the water back on and you're good to go for another two to three years. So straight up vinegar will work. You don't have to use like a chemical descaler or anything like that. They, I mean, obviously they offer this descaler, but all we we've been using is vinegar and we've have, haven't had any issues. Yeah, so I, I, that would be a lot safer, too, than using a chemical. So if you can use vinegar, why not, right? Absolutely safer for the customer and because they're going to be, you know, ingesting or whatever this water. So, And it flushes right out of the system as yeah. soon as you turn the water on. So, so 
I know that we had, we were talking through Instagram and, and you said that you do a lot of your furnaces in the summer. So, um, do you like, do you do any AC installs at all or is it just all heating stuff? No, I mean, we do a lot of it. I mean, all summer is mostly air handlers and condensers. Okay. Okay. Um, we do, obviously if they're, we always recommend if you're changing the AC and the furnace is the same age, our salesman will always recommend a full replacement just because it's not obviously it's more profitable for us, but it's more profitable for the customer because we're already in there. We're already doing the work. Why not take the whole thing out and, you know, have that peace of mind for another 15, 20 years that the system's going to run and have it all be new. Yeah. Well, make makes sense. And do you guys offer payment plans on that stuff for your customer? Like do you use a, cause yeah, I know, do. I, I've been seeing a lot of these third party, um, financial companies that are kind of going around going and, and promoting themselves as you use them. Basically you, you, you link with them, right. And then you charge your customer for the cert, for, for the amount. Um, the customer pays them in installments and this company pays you in full, like the, the financial company pays you in full um, after it's all sorted out. Like, do you use a company like that? Yeah, that's exactly what we do. So okay. um, the banks that we use are, I think we have Synchrony yep. and um, I think another one we use is Green Sky. Okay, cool. So they, they pay you the full amount and then they collect the installments from the customer. Yeah, so they just wait on a completion certificate from us and then we're we get paid outright or the company gets paid outright and the the actual financing company sends the bill to the customer. Yeah. So I mean that that's 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 a smart move for for the bank or the financial company to do that because Basically, if they have the funds up front to pay you the the full amount, they're going to collect installments from the customer and charge them interest. So, I mean, yeah. they're they're gaining. And I guess if the customer can't afford the install cost up front, they're kind of. Uh, I know they're going to pay a lot more in the long run, but you do that with a vehicle, a house, anything that that you buy these days anyway. So, um, of course, couple, yeah. cu- couple questions I was going to ask you before we head out. As far as indoor air quality, since you do a lot of residential, what do you recommend for indoor air quality for to, to get that, that air in the home nice and healthy for the occupants in the home? So we offer pretty much the, um, the four-inch media filter cabinets. Okay. Uh, we, do, we use the APCO UV lights with the, uh, the carbon built into them. And we also offer the uh, blue tube, which is the UV light that goes inside the coil. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you about the UV. So um, have you gotten any concerns? Because I've been recently, like I put a Remy halo in my house a while back Mm -hmm. and I've been, I've been monitoring it and, 
some of the, the downfalls that people have said, oh, watch for this, watch for that. And I don't see any any of that stuff happening in my home whatsoever. Um, are you are you guys comfortable with, with putting these in and having the customers like, hey, what about this? Like I heard uh, black lights put off or the UV lights put off the ozone and stuff like that. Is, is that a concern for you guys or your customers at all? The only, the only, I have heard that actually about the Remy Halo, um, because I like interim, I worked for another company for about a year, um, and they were using the Remy Halos and that's the, the, what you said about the Remy Halos is actually all I've heard about them. Um, I know the APCO and the blue tube, the APCO is, is the, I think it's AHRI um certified it's won a bunch of uh, awards and stuff like that they you know we have all brochures that we give to the customer um none are concerned or even brought up about the um the ozone or you know anything harmful as long as it's you know maintained and all that <laughs> so uh, <clears throat> The reason I asked you is because that was one of the things that people were warning me about is ozone and ozone poisoning. And I started to really research into it. And um, I actually found a study that was done for the state of California by a university. And I can't remember who else was involved, but it actually did a bunch of studies on different air um, purifiers and, and our, uh, RFG, or is it RGF? I always, I always confuse those three letters. I think it's RGF. Um, basically, in every single test, the ozone on their air cleaners or air purifiers was the lowest. And I have this, I have this link somewhere in an email. And, and if I dig it up, I could probably send it to you at some point. I just have to find it. But if you go through it, and it's written up, like it's really boring to read. This study, it's like a white paper study, is really boring. But if you go in and, and search for the different um, studies in different homes they did, you can see that the, the RGF stuff was the lowest in, um, in ozone. And, and they, claim, they claim that their stuff is only like 0.01 parts per million or less of ozone. Um, and this is done through third-party studying and all that. So I've done a lot of research into it and that third-party study by that university for the state of california proved that to me so and i haven't had any issues with ozone in my house that that people like watch for your kids getting asthma attacks and and, and ozone poisoning i haven't gotten any of that kind of stuff so i'm really happy with it so that's what i want why, that's why i wanted to ask you what you guys do for um indoor air quality um <clears throat> yeah so there was one more thing I was going to ask you and I actually forget. Oh yeah. So I don't ask this enough of the guests that are, that are on um, the podcast. So for a young tech getting into the industry these days, right? You've been in it for 10 and a half, 11 years. So for a, a guy or a, or a girl that's um, getting into mm -hmm. it, what kind of advice would you have for them? Um, what I would say to them is, Number one, stay off your phone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Number two, <laughs> number two, um, 
listen, watch, and ask the right questions. Um, and just keep your head down and just absorb as much information as you can, because we're not in the era of the lead tech sending you out to your truck to get material or tools while he's doing something important. We're in the teaching era that, you know, we're putting all this information out here, out on Instagram and everybody's helping each other. So everybody's trying to learn together. So if, you know, your lead tech or your journeyman or whoever is trying to teach you something, then they really are genuinely care. They care about you and your well-being and your, you know, actual profitability and experience inside the trade. Yeah, no, I I agree. And I, I had a podcast a few weeks ago uh with Ryan Cruz and we talked about we talked about that same thing about how teaching um apprentices is different these days it's not like it was 20 years ago you don't just put your boot in the guy's ass and, and swear swear at him and and just yeah make him just go back to the truck for everything while while you work and and don't teach them anything it it's all about it's all about basically um coexisting on a job and and actually yeah. even sometimes swallowing your pride and listening and taking feedback from them because the older techs like a lot of them they don't get online like uh, since since I started going online and doing what I do um I've learned so much about this trade it's unbelievable and I'm just thinking what are these these techs that are like 20 to 25 that are online all the time constantly watching YouTube mm-hmm. and stuff like that like if they come up to me and say, Hey, I watched a YouTube video of a guy doing it this way, then I'm going to turn around. I'm going to go really show, show me what, show me what he taught you. Cause I want to see if this is viable. I want to see what, what you learned. So I'm more inclined yeah. to, to take, um, take advice from a younger tech or younger apprentice these days because of that. You know what I mean? So it's kind of a, it's kind of a give and take and, and you, you got to coexist now. You can't just be like, yeah, He's the apprentice. Go, go clean my boots or whatever. Go get me coffee. It, it doesn't, it doesn't work <laughs> that way anymore. Truck. Yeah. And, and the trade, yeah. according to stats, the trade is dying off. We don't have enough people coming in. So if you don't make the trade, um, attractive for the young techs coming in, why are they going to hang around? You know what I mean? Make you got to make it attractive for them. You got to show them it's cool. And, um, <clears throat> what we do every day and how you can learn new things and, and how you can make money, how one day you can start your own business and, and make as much money as you want. Depends on how far you want to take it. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's all about how you feel when you're at work and because it it's no matter how much you love it. I mean, I love my job, but it's still work. Yeah. So the, you're feeling, you know, it's and you know we're in the age of feelings so if you (laughs) so if you feel comfortable and you feel that someone is trying to teach you something in a genuine way then you're actually going to want to put that into practice you're actually going to want to do it you're actually going to want to show up to work every day and try and learn something yeah yeah no 
No, you're exactly right. And I laugh because you said we're in the age of feelings. Like when I was, when I was first started, I wasn't allowed to have feelings. It was do this or, or else. I had, I had to reveal my feelings when I was at home by myself on my pillow, when I cried myself to sleep every night. <laughs> that That's when I showed my feelings. Um, but anyway, man, I, uh, cool, uh, conversation. I, I really enjoyed, uh, the chat and I, I want to thank you for getting on the podcast and um we got to do this again once you're at your uh 12 or 13 year mark i'm sure you're going to have lots more stuff to talk about no i'm just kidding we won't we won't wait that long but um yeah thanks man i appreciate it and like i said short notice and and you filled in or you didn't fill in because i was going to ask you to come on next week anyway but you came in and and did your thing earlier than than expected so that's very appreciative of you Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I really do feel honored um, to be on the HVAC Know It All podcast. Oh man, we're just we're just shooting the shit. That's all we're doing. Not, not nothing special. I'm I'm surprised that many people listen. To be honest with you, because all we are is just like shop talking, like two guys beside each other in the van driving to work, having having a chat. But anyway, um, if you guys want to check out. Um, Mike on Instagram and all his cool um, install pics. Mike, what's your Instagram handle? It's uh, Flintstone One. Flintstone One, and that's F L Y N N, not not like Fred Flintstone. Flintstone. Okay, awesome, man. <laughs> all right, you have a great night, and uh, I'll be seeing you on Instagram and all your installs. Thanks, man. Have a good night. Yeah, you too, buddy. See you later. Bye. So I guess uh, renting water heaters is really only a Canadian thing. Huh. I wonder why that is. I wonder why nobody rents their water heaters. I shouldn't say nobody, but I wonder why it seems apparent that water heater rentals don't exist down in the U.S. If somebody could shed some light on that for me, that would be great. Because I'd like to know why that doesn't exist down south, but it exists up in Canada. Anyway, guys, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. I enjoyed talking to Mike. Good guy. Great installs. So, like I said, guys, you can check Mike out at Flintstone One on Instagram if you want to follow him. You get to see all the great work he does. I'm out, guys. Enjoy yourself. Stay safe. Happy HVACing.